0: dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support and may the Googles be with you.
1: Hey everyone, this is Stacy Lindis from Podcast PD,
0: a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Make sure you check out all of the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three,
2: two, one.
0: Support for this episode of the House of Ed Tech comes from my awesome supporters. If you want to become an awesome supporter, go to chrisnessy.com slash awesome. And from Casey Bell of shakeuplearning.com. Welcome to the House of Ed Tech podcast. I am your host, Chris Nessie. The House of Ed Tech explores how technology is changing the way teachers teach and the impact that technology is having in education. I discuss technology that is changing our classrooms and schools, and I share tools and tips that you can hear today and use tomorrow. You're going to hear the stories of teachers, leaders, and creators just like you. The purpose? Whether you use it or not technology is changing the way you teach, and how your students learn. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the House of EdTech podcast. This is episode number 110 of the show, and this is a very unique episode because... Some of you might be first-time listeners because this is a special crossover episode. Not only is this episode 110 of The House of EdTech, but you're also getting a special bonus episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast because my guests today are Matt Miller and Casey Bell from the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. So, this is very exciting. That's why the title of this episode is The Google Power Hour. Now, as I sit here recording this, I don't quite know yet if this is an hour worth of content, but it just seemed like a very fitting title for the episode. So if you're new to the House of Ed Tech, here's what I do here on my show. And, you know, you've you've heard me a little bit on Google Teacher Tribe before, you know, through advertisements for this podcast, because I'm also the producer of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. For once, I am actually, you know, killing two birds with one stone as This episode is being released both into my feed for House of Ed Tech and also through the podcast feed that you're getting for Google Teacher Tribe as well. So, again, very exciting to be bringing you, you know, my voice and obviously Matt and Casey uh, for Google Teacher Tribe listeners. And for those of you that are longtime listeners of the House of Ed Tech, you know, obviously, you know me and, and you've heard of Matt and Casey. And obviously, you know, my role with the show for you that's new. I do the show in a couple of different segments. I do something called the House of EdTech Thought where I give my opinion, my take, my perspective on something related to education and or technology. And I have a House of EdTech Recommendation where I provide a recommendation for a tip, a tool, a website, something to consider doing in your classroom as soon as you're done listening to this episode or the next time you step into your classroom. And of course, no episode of this podcast is complete without a house of EdTech VIP, which is a very special individual who I highlight kind of, uh, to get you to follow them on Twitter, that they are worth your follow because they're doing some amazing things. So this is very exciting. We are going to get started. Um, we've got the thought, we've got the recommendation. And of course my conversation with Matt Miller and Casey bell. Now, speaking of Casey bell, from Shake Up Learning and also the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, Casey this summer is opening up a number of her courses for you to get involved with that relate to getting Google certified, and summer is the perfect time to work on your Google certification goals. Casey is, of course, your go-to Google certification expert. Becoming a Google certified educator can be intimidating, but you'd be working with Casey, Uh, and, and the content can be overwhelming, except you'd be working with Casey. So through her online self-paced courses, Casey will walk you through everything you need to know about getting Google Certified. On May 28th, Memorial Day, three online courses will open for limited enrollment. Let me repeat that, limited enrollment. She's going to be opening up the Google Certified Educator Academy Level 1 course, the Google Certified Educator Academy Level 2, and her course titled the Become a Google Certified Trainer course. Now, these courses are fully loaded with video-based lessons, hands-on learning with Casey Bell. But here's the catch. These courses will only be open for enrollment for a limited time. You have to act fast because enrollment will end on June 10th at midnight, Central Standard Time, because Casey's in Texas. They will not be opening again until November. So we're here at the end of the school year. Now is the perfect time to get ready for the coming school year, 2018-2019, and get all that googly goodness under your belt and get yourself certified in many of the ways that are available. To learn more about the certifications and the online courses, just head over to chrisnessy.com slash get Google certified, and you can find out all about Casey's courses, and you want to do that on May 28th and before June 10th. Thanks for your support for this episode, Casey. And now, let's talk to you and Matt. Now joining me on the podcast, I have two former guests and two people who I consider awesome friends in the world of education and, of course, podcasting. Uh, I am joined by Matt Miller, back from episode 47. I'm also joined tonight by Casey Bell from Shake Up Learning, back from episode 21, and together Matt and Casey co-host the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, which I have talked about more times than you probably have cared to hear me talk about on the House of Ed Tech, which many say is very well produced. And they join me now here on the House of Ed Tech. Welcome back, Matt Miller and Casey Bell.
1: Thanks, Chris. I have heard that people really want to know the secret to our our producing, so. We may have to reveal that.
2: It's kind of like the the man behind the curtain. Yes. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain.
1: He's the wizard, the wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Hey, exactly. just, just
0: let me publicly say thank you for letting me be <laughs> the person behind the curtain with you guys. No, oh, yeah. we love you, yeah. Chris,
1: and we have secret conversations with Chris just as we're recording too. So right. we have a lot yeah. of fun together, and um, and Chris likes to have a lot of fun with uh, throwing in those those little outtakes.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't even know they're coming, and they they show up, which is always a fun surprise for us.
0: <laughs> and, and that's funny because when we when we kind of put this all together, you know, fifty five episodes ago with you guys. I I didn't I, I kind of with the first episode thought oh there's some really funny stuff here I'll just throw outtakes at the end of their episodes and we'll see what happens so you never said stop so I keep going right yes thank goodness <laughs> and then I see on Twitter people are like oh there were no outtakes and then I feel bad because sometimes you guys just aren't as funny outside of the scope of the show that is very true that's true and sometimes I wonder if
2: people actually really honestly deep down in their heart really listen for the outtakes more than the other stuff.
0: The dedicated listener does for sure.
2: <laughs> right. It's, there you it's go.
1: funny because, you know, Chris, you were the one who really encouraged us to have a little bit of banter, to have some fun and let people really get to know us. You know, at first we were really like, let's get down to business. And that really shifted, I think, the way people were connecting with us. I mean, somebody said to me the other day, like, I feel like we're really good friends because I listen to you every Monday, you know, like they feel like they know (laughs) us because they hear our voices and how different that is and how powerful that is about podcasting in general. But, um, you know, also sort of finding that that fine line between, you know, letting people see sort of a little bit more of your personality and giving them, you know, the professional side of it as well yeah and
2: just to piggyback on that, there's I think there really is something about about listening to someone's voice. I mean, just the fact that you know their their voice is in your earbuds, in your ear. that's just a very personal thing. and i I think I underestimated when we started this, I underestimated the power of that. I was just on a, a phone call with somebody just a couple of days ago, and they were talking about how they listened to every episode of the podcast and they loved it, and I stopped for a second and I said, is it weird to you to hear me on this phone call with you right now? And she said, Oh my gosh, it is so weird. And I said, I know because I'm the same way with my favorite podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis. And I listen to them and I'm going oh, this is so weird to actually be having a conversation, like having all three of us in a conversation right now. And I hear Chris's voice because I've listened to the House of Ed Tech for years and years and having all three of us together. It's just, it's a little bit weird.
0: So I think I am your number one listener because obviously since I'm editing the show,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I listen to it
0: at multiple speeds. I listen a little quicker to kind of do a quick edit. And then I will go back at, a little bit faster than one X, and you know, do a do a fine tooth and comb edit on on the episodes, and then you know I'll be done with it, and I'll post it and everything. And then when it comes out on Monday mornings, I am also one of your Monday morning listeners in my car. So oh, that's cool. I didn't realize that I listen to edit, and I and then I listen to listen just as a listener.
1: Do you listen to it critically of of your own work?
0: Oh no, the work is phenomenal, so there's no criticism. <laughs> Right, there is nothing to, nothing to think about there. I didn't it's just,
1: mean it yeah. that way, but I mean like the way I would listen to the way I ed- when I edit videos, and I'll be like, "Oh, I wanted to do this. I wish I could go," you know, the, that kind of thing.
0: Nah, I, that, that's the beauty of audio. Audio is so much easier to edit than video, and there is no pressure on me. You, you guys bring all the material, so that that's the awesome part. You just
1: you just have to edit out when I say weird stuff
0: which doesn't happen as often as you might think. But that's not to say that I don't have a folder that's titled weird stuff that Casey said.
1: <laughs> it's
0: not like it's gig upon gig of data. I definitely need a copy of that. <laughs> not, folder. not yet. It's not a out. gig
1: yet. <laughs> We're only you what? Know. 55 episodes in.
0: <laughs> all right, Um, right. I'm going to pretend I'm the host of this show and I'm going to try and wrangle this all back together. I, I would say that that covers what I wanted to hit last, which is kind of like, you know, The podcasting, but I guess maybe we'll come back to the benefits. But obviously, both of you are, I guess, Uber or Lyft fans of Google. So why don't we start there? And we're going to let Casey, the lady, go first. Casey, if you could share a little bit about how in your career and why in your career you gravitated towards and have really latched onto the Google sphere.
1: I will say that my experience with Google, first of all, was just it was like a breath of fresh air. The first time I jumped into, um, actually I I went back to Rightly. I don't know if anybody remembers Rightly, which was acquired by Google and became Google Docs. And I was using that back in grad school. So I'm going to age myself here, but it was, it was like, this is a no brainer. You know, why, why isn't everything working like this? And the more that I, I dug my heels in and learned how to use it. And the more I realized this was the way to get teachers interested in tech in in their classrooms, because it had to be easy. It had to be something that was seamless. They didn't have to remember 20 million different logins to use all the tools. And so that's why I refer to it as a gateway tool, because it's a good first step it's not the only tool although people probably think that's what we we think because we talk so much about Google but that's not what we believe but it's such a powerful tool and it has totally transformed education I really believe that because it is so widespread it's more of who hasn't gone Google at this point than who has and you know these tools are just I mean they're free and you have unlimited storage why wouldn't you jump on board with this I mean the the way that we we can create and reach all of those four C's in the classroom. It's just a great tool, but it's also simple enough that teachers who just begin at the substitution level can easily start using it.
0: Well, I mean, there are those technology directors who still want to throw money at Microsoft and get Office 365 for their districts.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's there's plenty that have both that are still running both. I, I will not go off on that soapbox there.
0: All right. We'll keep the soapbox away for, for future topics. Uh, Matt, for you, why why did you go Google back in the day?
2: You know, I was one of those teachers that went rogue with Google because when um, I first started learning about it and the potential in the classroom and everything, we did not have access to, you know, what was Google Apps for Education now is G Suite for Education and i started seeing some of the cool things that teachers were doing with it on social media and at conferences and and different things like that and i just knew that it had to be a part of my class and being a high school spanish teacher you know it's the the foreign language teachers for whatever reason there, there are some that definitely do, but there's a lot of us that don't get into technology that much. And I, you know, I just started to see the potential in letting kids create, uh, especially create within the language, um, you know, doing stuff in slides and in Google drawings and, um, you know, writing in docs and then using the commenting features and everything. And so when I say that I went rogue. It was that we didn't officially have Google apps for education. So I would create a doc and I would make a share link for it and then get all of the students into one file or I'd make like, I had all of these weird little hacks. Like I would make 25 files for my 25 students and I would give them each a share link so that they could get in, even though they didn't have an official account through the school. And, um, I mean, just the fact that I was, I think that I was willing to go to those crazy. Um, you know, those crazy lengths to get Google tools in the hands of my students showed that, you know, I really, really saw the potential of it. And then eventually we got to the point where we were, we were an official Google apps for education school. I got a card of Chromebooks in my classroom and oh my goodness, it changed everything. And after having access to those Chromebooks and to Google, um, I really, I mean, many times since then I've thought, if I was put in a situation where I had to go back in the classroom and not have access to all that stuff, could I do it? And would that? What would that even look like? And I don't even have a good answer to that. I think it's just had that much well, power. Well, we know
0: you wouldn't be pulling your hair out if. if... <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, never heard that one before. Hey, <laughs> huh? again,
0: 110 episodes. I never said the jokes were going to be good. <laughs> But you talk about, you know, when you guys and Matt, I really like the way you put it as going rogue. And that, that really resonated with me because I too went rogue with Google. And I guess 2008, you know, I had my first job outside of student teaching where uh, I got a long term sub gig in a middle school doing social studies. And there was no Google for education then, but I, I, I too saw the power of, oh, Google Docs and Gmail. And I had eighth graders. We went to the computer lab and I had them all sign up for Gmail accounts. So that so it, they were all on Google and I made up like my own permission slip and, you know, sent it home and, you know, got parents to sign and create the passwords. And I, I let me know if you guys agree getting 20 or 25 people in the same room to do something with technology is such a pain and very difficult,
2: <laughs> especially in 2008. Oh, yeah. It probably was those
0: big CRT monitors. But uh, yeah, I, I'm right with you guys as far as. I, you know, I, too, saw the value and uh knew that it would be good for kids, good for learning and obviously good for education. So there you go. So with obviously you guys are super fans of Google and, you know, as a wise gal I know from down south would say, you know, we are all super excited about Google. Um, hashtag super hashtag. excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, you guys have your your go-to and your favorites. And for anybody who doesn't also listen to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, where you will wax poetic about the things you love about Google, uh, can you just quickly share here what your favorite Google tool or service is? And again, ladies always go first.
1: I have a feeling we may actually say the same thing. So we'll uh, <laughs> see. Uh, my favorite has to be at this point, Google Slides, just because it is so versatile. And we end up talking about it all the time. And whenever a teacher comes to me with, Hey, what happened? Google can do this, this, and this. I'm like, Slides, slides, and slides. Yeah, here <laughs> you can do this and do that. And so, you know, started referring to it as this Swiss Army knife of the G Suite tools because it's just so versatile. It does so much more than just be a presentation tool. And it's a great creation tool. It's so much more flexible than docs. And, you know, I even typically prefer it over drawings most of the time. So, you know, I think it's just, it's a great tool for the classroom. Now, is it the most, you know, coolest, you know, the most jaw-dropping, you know, trendiest thing, no, but I think it's a tried and true tool that we can use in our classroom tomorrow.
0: Which is a a, a huge plus here on this show, you know, here today, use it tomorrow. And um, I I don't know anybody who's not ever had an experience with Google Slides, but I will say this before Matt shares his thoughts. That's not what I thought you were going to say. I'll hold that till the end, though. (laughs)
1: Uh Uh-oh.
2: I bet I know what he was thinking of, and it's another fun analogy that we have about Google tools. I bet that's what he thought it was going to be. But again, we'll hold off and see. So um, for me, yeah, I, I could very easily jump in there with Google Slides. Um, first of all, I knew Casey was going to say that. I, I was pretty sure anyway. Ben, um, the, the thing that before I, I reveal what mine is, since it obviously <laughs> can't be Google Slides now, I will say really fast.
1: Nobody said that. that. Well, I guess that's he didn't true. Put a that's limitation true. On it. He said, he I'm, said, you I'm, you're, yeah. I'm making up
2: rules against myself on you my, are. own. yeah. But, um, I will say real quick about slides that one of the things that I love about it is that kids can get and adults too, of course, but can get a familiarity with this tool and get real comfortable with it and know where all of the, you know, all of the different functions are of it and know the little cool tricks. And you can use it in so many different ways. Um, this is, you know, one big thing that I'm kind of on a kick on right now is that we don't need lots and lots of digital tools in our classroom. Um, if we can find a way to do what we want to do with a smaller amount of them and just have a couple of core ones, then and if they're versatile, then now we're spending less time teaching tech and having kids go through that learning curve of picking up a new digital tool and that's one of the things i love about google slides is that there are so many different things that that you can do with it so um so yeah i that's that's definitely right up there and if if the the rule existed and i wasn't able to pick google slides then um you know, it almost feels like cheating if I picked Google drawings because drawings is so similar to slides. So, um, again, I'm making more (laughs) rules for myself. Um, I'm going to go with hangouts. Um, my love for video calls is well-documented on my blog and, and my presentations. I gush about them whenever I get the opportunity to. And, um, I just think that The potential that we have to bring uh, virtual guests into our classroom, to go on these virtual field trips, to um, get connected to another class that's similar to ours in a different state or in a different country. Um, You know, those are some of those real life connections that make that emotional attachment that kids have to content or to certain places in the world. They create those experiences that kids are going to remember. Um, because it's tied to real people. And so often all we've really got to do to make that happen is just reach out and ask somebody, Hey, will you do a video call with my class? And, um, I think so often teachers, it's like, they know that it's out there, but they don't make the crossover. They don't make the connection to the classroom because, we use video calls in our classroom or sorry, in our real lives all the time. You know, we'll FaceTime a friend or we'll, you know, Skype somebody in another state, but we don't think about it in the classroom. But I think of all of this stuff that's out there, I think that there is enormous, enormous potential in doing video calls and hangouts. I, right. I also
0: am a fan of Google Hangouts, but I if I had made my predictions out loud, I would be 0 for two right now on what you guys were going to share
2: yeah <laughs> okay so what were your predictions? i really
0: thought and, and maybe maybe if i asked a different question about your favorite tool so i think i would have gotten the answers i thought i was going to get if i had said what is your favorite google tool for personal use and then i think you both would have talked about google keep
2: so mm. i i have failed yeah i th- see i've I figured I figured that you were counting on Google Keep from one of us, which of course is not the Swiss Army knife of Google. It is the
1: instant pot.
2: <laughs> there it is. That's right. We have the Swiss hey, Army knife. We have the I've got pot. a
1: whole dictionary now of Google teacher tribe isms. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: There's a bunch of them, that's for certain.
1: Hey.
0: maybe I that can't could help be it. a future episode where Casey just goes through the Google teacher tribe legend of lingo.
1: Yeah. It's unabridged. (laughs) Oh, that'd be
0: awesome. Oh my goodness. I I mean, I mean what you guys shared, obviously phenomenal (laughs) tools. I really agree with you about lack of people really utilizing something like Google Hangouts. Um, I mean, I know mystery Skype is is a big thing and there are, you know, websites dedicated to it. Um, But definitely any, any platform that's going to be able to bring people who you couldn't normally get in front of your students. Or even your teachers, you know, through faculty meetings, uh, is certainly a valuable tool. I had two more questions that I could ask you guys about Googley stuff, but I will I will choose one, and the one that I will choose is what is a Google tool that is not a part of G Suite that you think would be really well incorporated into the G Suite family and would be really good for education that right now isn't really intended for education but could certainly lend itself by becoming a part of the suite. Let's say.
1: I, well, I think that list could be very long. There are so many tools, especially when you get into the lesser known tools. And in fact, I was recording a lesson today on Google Arts and Culture. And even though it's not technically part of G Suite for education, it's not a core service. uh, It's a fantastic way to learn about history, um, art, about all of the, you know, places around the world to you, there's something in there that you can connect to just about any subject area in any grade level. And in fact, today, I, I think every time I go in there, it's gotten an update. And Matt and I have almost made a game out of seeing if there's an update or something to share from arts and culture in almost every episode. And so they have, you know, like these art camera options where you can view artwork in this, you know, incredibly high resolution down to the cracks in the paint, the types of things that if you were in the museum, if you were in the Dorsay, looking at a Monet, you know, painting, they wouldn't let you stand that close to it. You know, these are types of experiences, you know, that many students are never going to actually get to travel to the Taj Mahal. And there's a 360 tour, inside Google arts and culture. Now you can view it on the desktop, or if you've got like Google cardboard or something else, you can make that a fully immersive virtual reality tour. And I just feel like it's, it's really a powerful tool and a lot of teachers don't even know about it.
0: Luckily, as a social studies teacher, I'm aware of it. So I've been able to certainly provide that experience to my students on the Chromebooks. But again, if you're teaching a world language or, you know, even math or science to certainly, again, see these places and, and, go there virtually and again I love what you say about you can get closer on the computer than you could actually get if you were standing right in front of said painting or sculpture or landmark so definitely thumbs up for me on uh, the Google Arts and Culture. Matt what do you got?
2: I am willing
0: to admit my
2: lack of knowledge of exactly what is and isn't in the core stuff so you guys can feel free to correct me on this if you'd like but I think one of the one of the biggest things that I always love to go back to is is definitely maps. Does maps fit in? You go ahead and correct me now if you'd like to.
1: No, it's it it, it is my maps is is part of my G- map.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, see, I, I was just talking about regular old like maps. the paper ones. Or- <laughs> no, 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 no the the. Go- I'm I'm talking about Google Maps. The way we get
1: around, the way Casey gets around, is what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah,
2: right, right, yeah. And so, even even if this one is part of the the core suite, then um, I'm still going to talk about it just because um, I still think that the potential out there for using specifically for using the street view features of that. That's always whenever I, I do trainings on Google tools, I almost always start with this because I think it's a quick win for teachers that don't know about it. And the ones that do know about it, you start to see some of the places that you didn't realize were out there. And I mean, with Street View, the ability to drop the little yellow peg man down someplace and look at it in full panorama and feel like you're actually there. You know, I'm, I'm real big on the idea of experience. And it makes me think of, you know, like whenever you were on a great vacation and you were boots on the ground in that location and you start looking around and all of a sudden, because you are immersed in the middle of it, now you have a different appreciation for it. And Obviously, nothing beats being in a location in person, but I think this is a pretty good substitute. And um, I think it's something that crosses over so many different curricular areas and grade levels. And I think it's something that sometimes people just don't realize it's there. Or if they do, they don't, again, they don't make the connection to how it can be used in the classroom.
1: And, you know, all of these tools... overlap quite a bit. In fact, you know, what I was just talking about and sharing in arts and culture, some of those are actually street views that that connect in, you know, it's right. like it's like Google is, is semi incestuous in the way that everything works together in a good way. I probably shouldn't have said that, but I did. So <laughs> anyway, the, I wanted to add to that because I do love street view. And like I said, the, the connections between arts and culture, Google expeditions as well. And a lot of those are connections to to street view. And now we have the ability to create, create expeditions and to create these 360 experiences. So I just wanted to put this out there in case people don't know, if you download the street view app on your phone, you can create and add your own street views into um, their, their database. So it's had several iterations and been parts of different types of apps. But now at the present moment, it is part of the street view app and what a great way to not only let students experience it, but to tell a story using that as their own tool as well.
0: And and that part that you shared right there is something that, that I've done, you know, contributing, you know, my photos that I've taken uh, to like the map locations. I don't know then if I have specifically done like the street view contribution, definitely something where you can get students again, be someplace they can't actually get to in the moment because they're in a classroom.
1: Hey Matt, you know what? I just got a notification this week on what? Well, they used to be called Photospheres. It was like this separate app, and I made a Photosphere when we were at the Google Teacher Academy in Austin, and I got some kind of notification that my Photosphere had had so many views. So you get statistics on it too, but it was like every time I get that, it's like. Oh, I totally forgot about that. And of course, like the Mm -hmm. quality of it compared to even what you can do now, it's pretty laughable in 2014 or. uh, But yeah, so it was it was kind of interesting. So it is neat to, to contribute to it as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Are you guys ready to go to our very last part of this conversation?
2: Oh, yeah, we're game. Totally game. Let's do it. I don't even know what it is, but let's do it.
0: So before I let you guys go first, thank you both Matt and Casey for taking time here uh, on a weeknight, uh, a little bit later than, than normal. So I appreciate you guys taking some time out. Uh, But the last thing I'd like to share or have you guys share is from each of you, one benefit of being podcast creators, because, you know, just a few episodes ago, I did a series on how to podcast and I've been presenting for the last two to three years about, you know, the power of podcasting and, you know, how to get started and how to do it. But you guys host a show, super popular, provides so much value to the people who listen and and send in feedback and are a part of your tribe, which I may have just spoiled some of the benefits. But from each of your perspectives, what has been a benefit of being a content creator in terms of being a podcaster?
2: I think for me, it's definitely been you know, one of the words of the title that we so very meticulously worked through and picked. And it's it's definitely got to be that word tribe, you know, um, and we
0: talk about it on the show a lot. Funny. I thought the important word was going to be Google, but okay. I, I like tribe as well. <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 Surprise. So, um, no, it's, it's definitely the tribe. I think, um, you know, Casey and I have learned, and I think I can speak for her on this. We've learned so much from our tribe, actually, we read the book Tribes by Seth Godin. It had a big influence on us. Um, I was just talking about this um, with Don Wetrick on his podcast about how you know Seth Godin says that there are these certain elements that you've got to have with tribes, and one of them has to be a leader. And he basically says, you know, a lot of times there are people out there saying, "We're waiting for you to lead us," and I don't know how much. You know, how much Casey and I actually lead. So to speak, because you know we're we're right in this learning with everybody, but we're the ones who do get the distinct honor and privilege of holding the mic and talking and being goofballs with each other, and people listen to it. That we get to hear from them, and we get to hear their questions and their ideas and their success stories. It's one of our favorite things. I think whenever we hear or we see a tweet and someone has used something from the show that week in their classroom, and I mean that right there totally makes. So for me, it definitely, definitely goes back to the tribe.
1: And of course, I, I totally agree with that. And in fact, sometimes it's the next day, it's even like the, the next day that they're doing something in the classroom. And it just totally blows my mind that we could have that kind of impact on what's going on in someone's classroom. And the fact that the, the tribe has become such a fabulous group of, of teachers and educators who are collaborating and sharing. And, and as Matt said, it's not us, you know, we're, we're out there just sort of facilitating the entire event and we find, you know, what's new and we share our ideas, but you know, my favorite part of the show is the mailbag. And that's when we get stumped (laughs) by questions, you know, and sometimes that means we have to go learn something new. And sometimes that means we just put it back out to the tribe, because we know somebody out there can help. And that's, that's the power of being a connected educator as well. But I also want to come back just to the, the original question and the power of podcasting and sort of what we've learned through the entire experience for me. And I think Matt would agree because we've had a lot of conversations about it. But when I first started blogging, you know, I, I've told this story a lot, but I would start a blog and never finish it because I was so afraid to put myself out there. And I put it off for years. And finally, when I, I decided to do it, because I felt like, I was teaching teachers and I needed to be the example. If I'm telling them to blog, I needed to be the one that was willing to do it. And so, you know, my first post was a perfectionist with paralysis because that's truly how I felt. I thought everything needed to look just like amazing and had to look like I had been running a blog for five years with only one post and that's just not going to happen and that's just something that i learned along the way is that the community of educators out there is so supportive and forgiving i felt a little bit that way about the podcast as well you know is anybody going to listen why do they want to hear my annoying voice you know so as we built it you know and and suddenly you know seen the power of it, you know, the power of connecting and the power of audio as a, you know, I am an auditory learner. And so podcasting is really big for me, but I'm, I'm usually in the minority in that, but so many teachers still find ways to, to use it and to connect with it. And I think we've had several sort of spinoffs of followers of the tribe who have decided to jump into podcasting. You know, because we've talked about it so much and because they're beginning to see that and beginning to podcast with their students. And that was something that I did years and years ago and had my students create a podcast. And I don't I don't think I actually said a word in it, but it was named. They named it after me, Miss Bell's chime time. And it was it was just, you know, an amazing experience and the kids couldn't wait to do it again. They were being those creators and they were able to be um, not only a creator, but to, to have some freedom in it too. They had a lot of choice in the matter. And so I think sort of putting the other twist on this and not just the professional learning aspect is how easy this is now to implement in the classroom as another medium for our students.
0: I, I couldn't put it any any better myself and I'm, and I'm glad that you guys are having really the same experience, you know, that, that I'm having. And then, you know, again, from when we first connected to, to make Google teacher tribe happen, it, it's been wonderful to see you guys grow and and improve and in, in, in ways you don't even know. And to at least be aware of the fact that you're making an impact and, and you were doing that with your blogs uh and, and, you know, like Matt with, with the book and now Casey with the book, but I'm with you. I mean, podcasting is so powerful. So stepping outside of the guy who like edits your show and, and support you guys that way. Um, just as a fan, thank you for putting out the content and providing so much value through the Google teacher Try podcast. So many tips, so much value.
2: Well, I've got to say for me, it's our distinct pleasure to, to be able to do this. And I'm always amazed at the number of people that want to talk about the podcast. And I just, I know, and I think I speak for Casey too, that we, we've, we really feel like we've gotten to be a part of something pretty cool and pretty special, and we uh, don't have any don't have any plans of of cutting it off anytime soon. Um, it's it's really one of my favorite things to do.
1: Yes, I I mean it, it truly is is a blessing to be in this in this seat to be able to you know to collaborate with each other and to to make those connections. And this is part of our learning as well you know we've learned so much not just about podcasting but um i know i i've learned so much from the tribe and from you chris as well and thank you for what you do and what you bring to the podcast as well because you are a member of this team (laughs) even if it is behind the curtain
0: (laughs) it's my pleasure to be behind the curtain (laughs) people who listen to this show again they, they should know who you guys are if they don't again Make sure you guys hit up ditchthattextbook.com for all of Matt's content. And make sure you go to shakeuplearning.com for all of Casey's content. And of course, if you're not subscribed already, make sure you head over to googleteachertribe.com, click that subscribe button, and add it to your podcast catcher yesterday. Because again, the content is awesome, it's there every week. And before we let you guys go, how can people, aside from your websites, what's the best way that people can connect with you? who now feel that they know you even a little bit better.
1: Uh, you can connect with me in, in whatever flavor you want to. If you want to tweet me, you want to email me, you want to Instagram me, I'm pretty much ShakeUp Learning across all of social media. Uh, you, can, you can reach me that way. And I also have a contact form and all kinds of other ways that you can reach out to me on shakeuplearning.com.
2: Yeah. And for me, you know, I'm on Twitter all the time. So I'm at J Matt Miller. That's the letter J Matt with two T's Miller and the ditch book hashtag. And then yeah, ditch that is the best place to keep up with me and all of my educational
0: shenanigans. All right. So, Hey, th- thanks again, guys. Um, I really appreciate you guys taking time. And Hey, of course you, you were on once you're on again, which means I'll just have to come back to you guys, of course, in the future. And you guys are welcome here Anytime in the House of EdTech. Thanks so much. Thanks.
1: Thank you. Bye, y'all.
0: That was certainly a fun conversation with Matt and Casey. And, you know, I, I can't thank them enough for one, you know, coming on the show the first times that they came on. And obviously now, you know, reconnecting because of those relationships uh, to be a part of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast as they as we said, I'm the man behind the curtain. <laughs> so with that being said, let's move into my edtech thought for this episode. And I want to talk just briefly about making the most of your professional development. I'm making the most of my PD by doing this very podcast. That alone, the conversations I have the research that goes into this is a lot of professional development that I think I get, you know, again, the, the topics I cover, the, the tools I recommend doing this podcast for now in the fifth year being over a hundred episodes. That's a lot of content, a lot of conversations. And I want to know how you are making the most of your professional development. What are you actually doing with it? How are you growing as an educator whether you're attending ed camps or you're you're going to paid conferences, what are you doing with what you're learning? How is it translating and coming into the classroom and truly benefiting your colleagues, your administrators? More importantly, how is our learning benefiting the students? I know this year for me, again, working in a ninth grade social studies classroom, that a lot of what I do with technology... I'm bringing into my classroom and putting in front of my students and I am challenging them to learn video editing and website design and communicating and collaborating, you know, with Google docs and a variety of other tools and getting up and presenting similar to how I sit here and I present this content to you. I want to build those skills in my students and I'm focused on skills with my students, the content. Well, in my classroom, it's not about the history. It's about the skills and what they're going to need when they go forward. Because I'll put it here, a ninth grader may not be able to be the best judge of, do I love history and do I want to get totally engrossed in history? They might, and there could be a select few out there, and I'll support that. But for a lot of my students, they just want to get through the class and move on. That's my goal. Get them through the class, help them to move on, not get caught up in a cycle of staying back or having any issues where they're not where they need to be. By the PD that I get, I'm giving them the soft skills, the hard skills of what could be valuable in other classes. And I'm using social studies as a vehicle to do that. But again, based on the PD I'm getting to make myself better and learn about education and certain new aspects of pedagogy. I'm bringing that right to my students, and I explain to them a lot of the things that I do, the conferences I attend, what I'm learning, what I'm reading, and I'm excited to do that because I'm passionate to talk about learning, and I've had a number of students, their eyes light up, and and they're curious. They'll follow up with me and ask me, you know, Mr. Nessie, how was that conference you went to? What do you mean you go to a conference, and and they want to know like what EdCamp is? So that's exciting to see because I'm trying to create lifelong learners. Students who, when they leave me, they're better citizens and they can go off and know how they learn and how to learn and get answers to questions and be curious. So I would love to know, how are you bringing your PD into your classrooms and your schools and your districts? Obviously, you can go to chrisnessy.com feedback and you can leave a speak pipe message or connect with me on Twitter. Or you can go to the show notes for this episode at chrisnessy.com slash 110 110 and leave a comment on the show notes. And I would love to know how you're making the most of your professional development. And that's my EdTech thought. and now it's time for this episode's house of edtech recommendation and we're going to keep with the very googly theme here in this crossover episode and i want to talk very quickly about the google vr tour creator the google vr tour creator is a free tool that lets everyone create their own virtual tours to view in google cardboard and or in the chrome browser tours are created by selecting locations in google maps and then selecting 360-degree street view imagery. There's also an option to upload your own 360-degree imagery. Now, Richard Byrne of freetechforteachers.com, a recent guest here on the podcast, he recently wrote a post about this, and in his post, he also posted a video demonstrating how this new tool actually works. Uh, And I will post a link to his post in the show notes for this episode, again, out at Chris chrisnessy.com dot com slash one one zero and if you want to check out the Google VR Tour Creator directly you can go to vr.google.com slash tour creator and of course I will link to that in the show notes. So if you're creating expeditions now or virtual tours for your students, I would love to hear about it. Make sure you share it and make sure you share that with everybody else in the methods that you prefer to share it, whether it's social media, your website, your blog, your podcast share it out, and let's make education a whole lot better. And that's my EdTech recommendation. And no episode of the House of EdTech is complete without a House of EdTech VIP. Congratulations to Mandy Bush. Mandy is an 8th grade language arts teacher in Texas, and she's been teaching middle school for 12 years. She's taught 6th through 8th grade, but she loves teaching 8th grade the best. She has two daughters. She's married. She's got dogs, cats. She's an amazing person. She also knits in her free time and when she needs time to relax from teaching and toddler madness. She shares her ideas about teaching in the middle grades on her blog, which can be found at lifewithmiddleschooler.blogspot.com. And of course, you need to connect with Mandy on Twitter. She is at Mrs. Bush, L-A, and that's M-R-S-B-U-S-H-L-A. And I'll link to her blog out in the show notes for this episode. Make sure you connect with Mandy. And congratulations, Mandy. You are a House of Ed Tech VIP. Thank you again for checking out this episode of the House of Ed Tech podcast, a special crossover with the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. So thank you again to Matt Miller and Casey Bell. And thank you again to Casey Bell for supporting this episode. Make sure you go and check out her online courses. Again, the link to that between May 28th and June 10th is chrisnessy.com slash get Google certified you enjoyed what we talked about in this episode hey as we do with every episode i encourage you to keep the conversation going i would love to connect with you and hear your thoughts on the information and resources shared in this and every episode for this one go over to chrisnessy.com slash 110 that's 110 or you can send me a message by going to chrisnessy.com slash feedback now if you enjoy the podcast and this is the first time you've heard it hopefully I have earned your subscription. That would be awesome. Now, the other thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast, besides subscribing to it, if you're already subscribed, tell somebody else about the House of Ed Tech. Share it on social media, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, whatever the case may be. Share it. Use the hashtag House of Ed Tech. Tag it at House of Ed Tech on Twitter and also Instagram. The other thing you can do is you can also become an awesome supporter so many thanks to my awesome supporters who I will thank right now. So thank you very much for all your support. Eric Kurtz from ControlAltachieve.com, Dan Gallagher, Peggy George from classroom 2.0 live. Jen Giffen from the Shooks and GIF podcast, which you can find at bit.ly slash Shooks and GIF. Mark Grindel. Jeff Herb from instructionaltechtalk.com, Mike Messner from California. J.P. Prezavento from jpprez.com, Scott Titmus from right here in New Jersey, and Brent Warner from the edtech.tv podcast. Now, if you're interested in supporting this show, you can go to chrisnessy.com slash awesome. As we wrap things up here in the next 55 seconds, uh, I just want to share that on the next episode of Podcast PD, another podcast that I co-host with Stacy Lindis and A.J. Bianco, Uh, On episode 30, we're going to be speaking with the newest pirate author, New Jersey Principal Jay Billy, about the release of his new book, Lead with Culture, What Really Matters in Our Schools. As for this podcast, the next episode of the House of Ed Tech, number 111, will be released on June 3rd, 2018. Until next time, hey, thanks for learning with me. And remember, using technology isn't difficult. Just give it a try. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm sure it's pretty weird to just blurt out we should be behind the curtain
0: <laughs> that's a good
1: point yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you saying
2: Okay. But, <laughs> where's a, there's a curtain. <laughs> yeah. A crossover
0: is not a crossover unless I don't actually use the sound effect. So that's just there. <laughs> so one, thank you guys for giving me some time here. Uh, before start that again. <laughs> um, <but> yeah, <laughs> there are no outtakes at the end of my show. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to do it in honor of you guys. <laughs> We're
2: gonna change that.
0: Yep, I think so. Hey, everybody. I'm still here. So I just want to say, let's play a little game. If you hear this, what I'd like you to do is go out to Twitter. So you have to be on Twitter. Tag me at Mr. Nessie, M-R-N-E-S-I, and use the lightning emoji. Send me your message. It's like a secret code. Let's see if you get this. See you next time. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, DitchThatTextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, ShakeUpLearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com and I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.